Well, we are going to be in Romans chapter 14 as we continue working our way through the book of Romans. When we come into chapter 14, we're talking about the weak and the strong believer. It's very important to distinguish between the two. Very important to mature and to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. But as we look here, Paul really admonishes us to be very careful about being judgmental. We don't want to judge one another. Many times when you see in Christian arenas, some feel that they are much more spiritual than others. And the truth of it is, when you feel in such a way, that means that pride has entered into your heart and you cannot be used for the kingdom of God because of the pride in your heart. We don't want to be those that condemn one another. We don't want to put others down, especially a believer, one that's striving in the right direction for the glory of God. It doesn't mean that we don't rebuke them or tell them what they're doing is wrong. Now, that is not being judgmental. That's being loving and caring. But when I look at the Word of God here today, especially in Romans 14, Paul is dealing with something that causes many divisions within local churches. Because there are many people that feel that they have arrived or are very spiritual, but in reality they are not spiritual and they have not arrived. And so you and I would be like what Paul would say, for I am what? I am the chief of all sinners. We would put ourselves under everyone. We wouldn't put ourselves over anyone. Because we don't want to be prideful. We want to be opposite of that. We want to be humble. And you know, the truth of it is, as a child of God, you should be very kind and very humble in every situation that you find yourself. And so when you come into this text here, that's exactly what he's going to deal with. And as we look here today, we're talking about believers. We're talking about them that are very mature in the faith and them that are very weak in the faith. All of us have had our moments where we were strong in what we believed, why we believed it. And then there were other moments where we were very weak. And yet many times people will judge us because of our weakness. But truth of it is that meekness that we talk about in the Word of God, that is power under control. And as we look here in our text, let us look and see what Paul says. So when the Bible says here, remember in verse 14 of chapter 3, or 13, it says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Remember, chapter divisions and verses were added in to the scripture. Originally, they were not there. And so when he comes off of that part there in verse 14 of chapter 13, he comes right away into the aspect of those things that cause division within the local church. You know, even, even in our church, we've seen that division that's been caused quite a few times in different situations. But if we are very mature in the faith and we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we would avoid these kind of contentions. We would avoid these divisions that arouse between believers. Again, we're addressing believers in the truest sense. It says, him that is weak in the faith receive you. So when we think about one that is weak in the faith, there are many times that you and I that are strong in the faith want to edify one another. We want to build each other up. We want to encourage one another. I mean, that's the whole purpose of a local church. We're like a family in the truest sense where we come alongside each other and we meet needs of each other because of our love to each other based upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when he says here, him that is weak in the faith, receive you, but he says, but not the doubtful disputations, not the doubtful discernings where somehow we believe this person is this or that. We want to be very careful with our judging one another. You know, nobody likes to be judged by another person. Now, there's a difference between reproving and rebuking. 
Okay, the Bible says that if we reprove and rebuke, the purpose of that is for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, it's not wrong to say, hey, what you are doing is sin. It's against Christ. It's not wrong for you to tell somebody in such a way. Sometimes they use those verses in Matthew 7, verse 1, says, judge not lest ye be judged. With the same judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. But yet as we look here, if it's a sin situation, it is good for us to call it out in love for the glory of God, knowing that you and I are just as capable of that sin as they are. That's really important to understand that about yourself. You know, we look around and we see people that are sinners, people that are unconverted, and we look at them as if somehow we would never commit such a sin. I want you to realize that your heart and my heart is capable of committing any of these sins. So if it wasn't by the grace of God, for his mercy's sake, we would be no different than they are. Our hearts are bent in the same direction. So when he says, hear him that is weak in the faith, receive you, but not the doubtful disputations. And so he says here, for one, talking about a believer, believeth that he may eat all things. Now back in the day, this was a very important verse, because there were many people that were saved out of paganism. And a lot of the sacrifices that they did back then, they would stay away from, because they knew that whether they got saved and trusted Christ, that they'd have a tendency to lean towards that, and they would never want to eat meat that was sacrificed to an idol. And that was a major thing back then. But to a believer that would be a strong believer, they knew they could eat the meat. It was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. God didn't condemn it, not at all. Whatsoever you do, you do all for the glory of God. He didn't condemn that meat at all. But to a weak believer, that was a violation of their conscience. And so when Paul's speaking here, for one believer that he may eat all things, and the reality of it is, that is true. One believer he can eat all things. I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that everything that we eat today has been sanctified by the word of God in prayer. I mean, Paul talked to Timothy in regards to that. And so when he says here, one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak eateth herbs. So we have a contrast here. We have one that says, I can eat all things, which is absolutely true. We have another who is weak that says, I can only eat herbs. And that is also true. And these are both God's children. So when you think about it in the truest reality, one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. So what happens is you have the one that eateth herbs judges him that eats all things, and him that only eats all things, that one that eateth herbs judges him. So we have to be very careful. Satan loves to cause division in the body of Christ. And he uses all kinds of means to do that. And so we have to be very discerning when it comes to these things. I mean, the one of the lost arts you find in the church today is, a, is the idea of discernment. People are very undiscerning today, even in so many so-called Christians and so many churches. We need to be more discerning. And the reason how we need to be more discerning is we need to really truly know what the Bible says. You know, I always say, read your Bibles more than you've ever read them. I believe that you're in the last day. I believe you're in the middle of a situation that's gonna escalate to the highest levels that we've ever seen in our lifetime. And I believe we're going to come to the highest levels in church history that the true church of Jesus Christ has ever seen. And I believe the only way that we're going to walk our way through that is knowing the word of God, taking up the sword of the spirit, putting on the armor of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit through an obedience and a love to Christ. That's the only way we're going to overcome. They're going to come against us. There are many things that are in the works even now that are going to try to silence the true Christian. 
The Bible tells us this day would come, and I believe this day has come. Look at a verse like 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. There'll become a great falling away. Well, many of us have known people that are Christians, supposedly, and some of them have already walked away from the faith. They don't go to church no more. They don't read their Bibles no more. They've kind of given up on that situation. Well, those are what we call third soil Christians. They spring up for a little while, but then after time and truth come together, their zeal for God dissipates, and pretty soon they have no zeal for the things of God. And that's something that a true Christian always wants to guard his heart against. We don't want to be filled with unbelief. We don't want to be filled with doubt. We want to know why we believe it and be fully persuaded that what we believe is absolute truth. Because today they will tell you there is no such thing as absolute truth. Today when I look at the Word of God, I say this is absolute truth. For Jesus Christ is the embodiment of absolute truth. And so if you and I would say that in a public arena, we would be laughed and mocked at all the way out the door. But the reality of it is, that's okay. Because we know the one who has saved us. We know the one that we're resting in. And the reason that we know him and have that confidence is because of the Holy Spirit's work in your heart to make Jesus Christ more real to you than he's ever been. And so again he says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let him not that eateth despise him that eateth not. So as a Christian, we don't want to judge one another. We have to be very careful with that judgmental standard. You know, a lot of times something in the Christian arena, especially some that I've been involved in over the years, you know, depending on what you do or you don't do determines how good of a Christian you are. I think that's very dangerous for anyone to think in such a way. I think we have to be very careful. I think we have to guard our heart. I think we have to ask God to give us wisdom in these situations that we would not become judgmental, that we would love them with a love that the Holy Spirit has put in our heart, that love for Christ, to love them as one that has been bought by the same blood of Jesus Christ as you and I have. So we got to be very careful with that because when you look at our wording here, let not him that eateth despise him, that he did not. Look at our word despised. I mean, I don't know about you, but we would never want to be like that. What does that mean? Well, that means that you look here at the despised one, like somehow they don't line up to our standard and they're a second-rate Christian. Well, the reality of it is there is no such thing as a second-rate Christian. The Bible makes it very clear that if we have been bought by the blood of Christ and we're not our own, we belong to him, then we know that to be absolute because that is what the word of God says. And so when he says, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, he even brings it back the other direction, and let him, or let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. You know, this is really important when you think about it. We don't want to be very condemning. You know, I've been in circles over the years um, where you have certain people where they condemn you for your stand, for your position. Uh, maybe you go to a, a movie, maybe you listen to some music that somebody would consider not right for you to listen to. Let every man stand before God by his own conscience. You know, some people can say, well, I can listen to this or listen to that, and I'm okay, and maybe you are. But if I listen to the same thing, I would not be okay. It would violate my conscience. If I was going to go to a movie, as some would say, was there anything wrong in and of itself to go to a movie? I would say absolutely not. If your conscience doesn't bother you in such a way, it's okay. But if we go to a movie, we have to make sure that it doesn't blaspheme the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which today, if you watch many of the shows on, te on television or in the movie house, they seem to blaspheme that name, the very name whereby we've been saved. 
So what we have to do is we have to look at it and say, but I don't feel like I'm, I'm guilty for doing it, then to God be the glory. You go to the movie for the glory of God. If you decide not to go to a movie, and I'm only using these because coming from an IFB background, um, this is the things they ingrained in your mind. You don't go to movies, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't chew, and you don't do this and this and this and this, and then you'll be a good Christian. But the reality of it is, many people that fallen into that don't and do less, many of them have never truly been converted and are void of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, that is sad, but it is the truth. But when you look here for conscience sake, because a lot of these things are dealing with the conscience, but we also have to remember that our conscience are fallen. You know, our conscience are not what they once were, per se. You know, we're not like Adam and Eve in the garden, that's for sure. Because the truth of it is, when we were born, we were born in sin. I mean, that's what the Bible says. And to us that have been saved, we know that to be absolutely right. So when he says here, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. See, the Christian should be very non-judgmental. Now, if somebody's involved in sin, whatever it may be, we have a right to say, listen to me, what you are doing is wrong. The word of God says this, or the word of God says that. You know, and if they heed your wisdom, praise God. If they say, who are you to judge me? Then we leave it to the Lord. We are not their judge. We are not the ones that determine what they will do and what they won't do. Every man stands before God, the end of his life, gives an account of his life before God, whether what he did was good or bad. Remember the good and bad done in the body is what we stand before God at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, he says, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For look what he says, for God hath received him. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think about a true born-again believer, you know, working in prisons and county jails and even to some of the federal facilities that I've been able to go in over the years, you know, we look at some of them, we think to ourselves, my goodness, you know, I would have never done such a thing as you. I would have never been thrown into prison and spent 20 years or life in prison. I would have never done the terrible things that they have done. But what I want you to realize is that our capacity to do those things is very much in us. We have the capacity to do many of the things that are done if it wasn't for the restraining work of the Holy Spirit in our own personal life. Because when you and I look back through our lives, we can see the restraining work of the Holy Spirit that has held us back from things that we wanted to fully engage in. But for whatever the reason, he kept us back from those things. And we give God glory and praise for that. Because when you go back into the Old Testament, you have many readings that you find there. Many times God withheld people from doing evil. Because God can do that if God so chooses. And we see many accounts in the Old Testament. But when we're talking about a judgmental person, we don't judge them. We love them in Christ. We give them glory. We can reprove and rebuke if the purpose of the reproving and rebuke is for the edification, the building up of the body of Christ. Okay? So when people say, who are you to judge me? You know, I've talked to people over the years in situations, and I say, what you are doing is sin. It's wrong. It's against the word of God. Well, who are you to judge me? Well, I understand why they're saying that. Because number one, they know what I'm saying is absolutely right. Okay? When somebody yells at you or gets upset with you because you, who are you to tell me? You know, I remember when you did this or you did that. Very easy to reverse it very quickly. But the reality of it is, yes, that was me. But now by grace, that's not me no more. You know, and what you are doing and you tell me that you're a Christian, 
you are wrong for what you're doing. And I love you in Christ. And God says, you know, and a lot of times you say the Lord says or give him a Bible verse. And maybe you've been in the same situation. They get very upset with you. And the first thing they say, who are you to judge me? Okay. Well, that's okay. Because if they say that, what does that do? It reveals their heart. They're showing themselves exactly who they are. They're not humble and obedient. They're not kind and righteous. They're not walking in truth. They're defying, maybe grieving the Holy Spirit, maybe quenching him, or maybe just quenching him completely, where he doesn't even have a concern for the things of God. But as a Christian, we must realize that every Christian has been received by God. That means that he has been bought by the blood of Christ. For Christ died for this person. Christ died upon Calvary and rose again from the dead for that Christian, even though they're not walking in truth. Because reality is that you and I in our lifetime, I believe there's many times that we are not walking the way we should walk. I believe the Holy Spirit uses people who convict us. He brings situations into our life to remind us. But the reality of it is the Holy Spirit is always working us to be more like Christ. For that's the whole purpose of progressive sanctification. Each day of our life, we're being more conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we do react in ways that we shouldn't because we do get upset. People say something against us, and we're ready to attack them with our own words. That just shows our immaturity. That shows our weakness as a Christian because Christians are to be kind and gentle and loving and caring and thoughtful and respectful and all these words that we find we know that's the way we should be but sometimes we feel i have a right not to be but the reality of it is we don't have a right not to be and so paul he continues with his thought here when you come into verse verse four who aren't thou that judges another man's servant now, when we look at our word servant, we're talking about a Christian. Who aren't thou that judges another man's servant? And the other man would be in the sense of God's child, in the context that we find ourselves. Who aren't thou that judges another man's servant? We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to dishonor God. And our whole purpose of our friendship, our relationship, is to build one another up in the most holy faith that's been given to all of us. And so he says here, who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? To his own master, look at our word master, we could also insert the word Lord. He says here, to his own master he standeth or falleth. That's true. Yea, he shall be holded up, for God is able to make him stand. So when I look at the word of God here, the one thing I do know is God is always working in my life. He's working in your life. He's conforming us to Christ. I mean, that's the Romans 8.29 verse. That we find and yet as we look here who is able to make him stand god is able to make you stand i mean all of us have had our moments of weakness all of us have been strong in the lord at times but the reality of it is it is god that worketh in us both to will and do his good pleasure that's like the verse prior to that one in philippians chapter 2 verse 12 it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is god that worketh in you both to will and do his, God's, good pleasure. So when you have a verse like this, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he should be holded up, for God is able to make him stand. I mean, I don't know about you, but there are times in my own life where I'm very weak in my heart, and 
And I think to myself, I don't know how God would even help me to stand knowing that I have rebelled. I have sinned against God and God alone have I done this evil, kind of like David talks about. But the reality of it is God is the one that makes us stand. I mean, there are times you get into a situation, maybe a confrontation, maybe a debate, you know, and right away it's not about the glory of God, it's about I'm going to win this debate, I'm going to show you how wrong you are because I know more scripture than you. But the reality of that is that it's not Christ-likeness. You are not being kind and caring and loving. But we want to be. In our hearts, we want to be. We want to be what we're supposed to be for the glory of God. We want to honor him whatsoever we do. And so when I look here, I think to myself, who art thou that judgeth another man's servant to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Yea, he should be holded up, for God is able to make him stand. I mean, has there been moments in your own life where you felt very weak in your faith? Have been moments in your life where you doubted things that you once believed with wholehearted assurance? The reality of it is when we start doubting the promises of God, the things of God, what has happened is we've shifted in our heart. We've been listening to too many lies. We're being lied to. And Satan loves to cause division in the body of Christ. He loves to divide Christians against one another. Because if we are divided, we fall. If we are united, we stand. But only if we're united in Christ do we stand. Because we can take a verse like that, for God is able to make him stand. God is able to make us stand. There are many people that are looking for your failure, looking for you to fall apart and not believe all these things that you once did. Maybe it was a year ago, five years ago, a month ago, whatever it may be. So Satan, what does he want to do? He wants to divide the body of Christ. We can't be divided. And when divisions come in, it must be settled by the word of the God and not by our own opinion, our own thoughts. And a lot of times we have these ideas of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. What does God want us to do? What does the Bible say? How do we deal with this subject for the glory of God? Is Jesus Christ the center of a local church? Is he the purpose of our life? What is the purpose of your life? I mean, the Bible makes it very clear. You ought to glorify God in everything you do. What is the purpose of my life? To glorify God in everything I do. So when you and I have our conversations with people, they may not agree with you. But a kind, humble, proud child of God doesn't need them to agree with him. What he needs them to see is Christ and let God be his judge. And that's the reality behind that. Because, you know, a lot of times, I remember over the years, they would, many people would say, well, I don't do this and because you do it, you're just an evil person or whatever they may call you. But the reality of it is, where is the one that judges me? For it is God. I mean, Paul made many statements in the book of Corinthians. Who are you to judge me? For I am not judged of no man. For I will be judged of God and not you. I mean, Paul said that multiple times in the book of Corinthians. And that's a very interesting terminology. It wasn't that Paul wasn't saying, I do it always right and you need to do what I tell you to do. What he was saying is, I do not need to be judged by a man. I need to be judged by God and my heart needs to be right with him. But sometimes when a heart's right with God, people look at it as if somehow God is not pleased with them. God's disappointed in them because they don't do the things that I do. They don't look the way I do. They don't act the way I do. Because, see, you need to follow me because I figured it out. But what does Paul say? Follow me as what? As I follow Christ. Multiple times he says that same verse. So again, when you come back into the text there in verse 5, 
one man esteemeth one day above another. Now, this is a very interesting thought, even for contemporary terms. And another esteemeth every day alike. So we have some that look at certain days as special days, and others look at certain days as not so special of a day. But what does he say? Every man be fully persuaded in his what, own mind. Fully persuaded, fully convinced. For I know whom I have believed, and I am able, he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. I mean, that's what Paul told Timothy. And so when you look here, holy day, I respected this day or that day. I mean, you know, today we have so many different days. You know, we have a, this day and that day and Mother's Day and Father's Day and birthday and, you know, all these different days. But the reality of it is, all these things have to be fully persuaded in your own mind. And what does that mean? We're talking about your conscience. Be fully persuaded. If you're not fully persuaded that this day is a special day, and maybe it is a special day to you, to God be the glory, but maybe to me, it's not a special day. You know, we could come back to the Sabbath, because, you know, he's dealing with some Jewish people here in the Book of Romans. We've seen it. But what do we find here? I mean, maybe it's a Sabbath day. Now, some people say, oh, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord Jesus Christ, but I only worship on the Sabbath day. Now, you and I, I would believe that we would say, no, that's not right, because when Christ rose from the dead, he rose on a Sunday, which is the first day of the week. So why do we worship on a Sunday? Because when the New Testament took off in the book of Acts, it was Sunday that they came together, the first day of the week, to worship the resurrected Christ. Now, there was a Sabbath prior to that, the law of God, but remember, Christ fulfilled the law in himself, and he rose again from the dead, on a Sunday, the first day of the week. But somebody may say, well, I believe in my heart that I can only do that on a Saturday. To God be the glory. I don't condemn them. Now, if they're a seven-day Adventist and they say that they have to keep the law and they have to do this and have to do that, and if you don't, you're a child of the devil. Um, I ran into the seven-day Adventists. They do go in that direction, and they're pretty hardcore. But the purpose of a seven-day Adventist is they're totally a works religion. There's no grace. It's all keeping of the law. I had an uncle who was a seven-day Adventist, and I remember one day I asked him, I said, is it the matter of keeping the law, or is it by grace? I we saying? Well, he said, both. Well, I would say that's the book of Galatians. You have a mixture of law and grace. Law does not mix with grace, and grace does not mix with the law. For Christ fulfilled the law, and that's why you and I live by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, a gift of God. Very familiar verse to most of us. So again, he says, be fully persuaded in his own mind. And so when you and I are going about our day, and somebody may disagree with us on something of a day, of a holy day, you know, a Sabbath, a Sunday, when do we worship the Lord? Uh, do this or do that. Eat this or not eat that. Listen to me. They have to have that conscience before God. And that's why, you know, I say, read your word more than you've ever read it in your life. I'm telling you, I know, I know I've said this for quite a long time now, but you're going to really need to know the word of God. Because we're living in a day and an hour where discernment is very limited. Even Christians are fighting amongst themselves. We have many pretenders that are happening today. Many things that are going on that they call, that are calling them Christian. When if you knew the word of God, you would know that it's not Christian. 
And you need to be very discerning in that regard. And so when we come into our final verse here for today, verse 6, it says, He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. Notice everything is regarded unto the Lord as an individual, your conscience before God. That's why it's good to have a good conscience before God. And so he says, He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. Does not make him wrong. Doesn't make him evil. He says, this day means nothing to me. But if you say this day means something to me, then both are okay if it's unto the Lord. And so when he says here again, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, remember Paul, what Paul's doing here is summarizing. Okay, He's bringing it all together for talking points. And he says here, and he that eateth, eateth to the Lord. And for he giveth, what? God thanks. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that we can eat anything. Okay? I mean, that's what the Bible says. But if there's someone among you that says, I'm not allowed to eat meat, don't eat meat unto the Lord, to God be the glory. It doesn't bother me if you want to be a vegetarian. It doesn't bother me at all. But as I look at the word of God, what does he say to me? He says, he that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God, what? Thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. So what is the purpose of that? The purpose of it is, either way, if you're a child of God, to God be the glory. So when you look here, we don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to condemn another Christian. Remember, I say, it's okay to reprove and rebuke. Or exhortation. But if you're going to reprove and rebuke somebody, I must say, make sure your heart is clean before God. Because I tell you what, if your heart is dirty before God and you go and pull the reprove and rebuke, he may expose your heart right to the person that you're reproving and rebuking, and that reproving and rebuking will turn against yourself, and the Holy Spirit will make it so. But if your heart is clean, you take the log out of your own eye, and you tell them and reprove and rebuke for the purpose of edification, for the purpose of lifting them up and building them up in the faith, then you're obedient to the word of God. And that's why when Paul says here very clearly, um, we'll just touch verse 7, for none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. That's important. And so when we think about this, we don't want to be full of hypocrisy. We don't want to be condemning of others, and yet we do the things that we condemn others for doing. We have to guard our heart every moment. You have to read the Word of God. You have to read it continually over and over. And that's very important because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And so when you think about these things and you realize someday we die, whenever that day may be, and only by God do we die, and only by God do we live? For we know that to be true. But yet if we are living for the glory of God, we are continually taking care of our own hearts by feeding us through the word of God, nurturing us through the word of God, and not just reading it but saying, well, God says I cannot do this, therefore I cannot do this. Then we do it out of a loving obedience to Christ because of your love for him. You know, and when you think about that, that's exactly what Paul's telling us to do. Satan wants to divide. 
If Satan wants to divide a big group, Satan wants to divide a little group. Satan's always working. He's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. But we are not of him. We are of Christ, which means that we have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that Christ had, we have. And that's why it's important for us to be discerning, important for us to read God's word day in, day out. You know, when you read the word of God, you don't read it because you're trying to fill your mind with information, Bible facts, although you can learn much by reading of the word of God. You read it because you want to see Christ everywhere. So when you look at even the verses that we went through here today, you know as well as I do that when you read the Gospels, Christ exhibited all of this. Christ walked and did exactly what these verses talked about. And he was our example, which is the print of Christ, and our example is living obedience. That's why we are thankful for the, the passive and the active obedience of Christ. So when we die someday, it's not about us. It was all about him. So when we come to our deathbed, it is Christ ever liveth to make intercession for me. And we praise God for that. Because that is what God has done in our hearts. And he's given us a new heart. We're a new creation, a new creature. And we love the word new because we're not who we once were. But we give God all the glory. 